we, we, we should rap about things that we like, like, like food. That's what? You bugging ass devil, you know it. We're gonna be like the Partridge family, but with food. You like food, don't you? Got any uh, white bread? Yes. Go away. I am the spaghetti. Duval, you're not the spaghetti. I am the spaghetti. Let go of the lid. Just spaghetti in you. Is this organic? Sure. Is it grass-fed? Yes. Cruelty-free? What's so special about the cheese maker? As the saying goes, you are what you eat. And I am freaking cheese. <laughs> How was it? Mm, I wouldn't kick it out of bed for eating crackers. How about four beans, Mr. Haggard? I'd say you've had enough. Holy goat. How's it going, Sal? I know, I haven't seen you for yonks. I had someone hit me up on Twitter the other day. Look, are you guys recording again or what? I might have. My podcast hasn't refreshed in ages. <laughs> like, well, Sal's been in Japan. I've had kids. It's hard. Did you read that tweet? Um, oh, girl, it's, you don't sound like you're not. You don't sound like. Oh yeah, I did that. <laughs> you guys sound completely different to the way I pictured you. <laughs> that's fair enough. Yeah, I sound bogan. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> What's this been is, happening? This is nice, soft, stinky teas. It's good, isn't it? Holy goat! Mm. So this was one of my little purchases on the weekend because I went off to Nurse Food and Wine, as you know, and they have a little produce area mm. so oh god it was good you know back fatters maple glaze bacon and yeah. fino have all their beautiful cheeses and meats and stuff there but this holy goat was there she's from adelaide yeah and I, um, i've actually seen her on um landline seen her little mm. her little thing because so. i said to her oh you look really familiar do i know you <laughs> <laughs> and she said to me, no, you don't. I went, oh. oh, have you been on television or something? She said, yes, I've been on Landline. Oh, so it was, yeah, it was then mm. that I can remember. Mm. In, oh, was she abrupt in a good way? Or yeah, well, no, she was abrupt in that. I've been asked that question 10,000 times. No, it's a hard job working at those festivals because the general public are really rude and demanding generally on day three. Yeah. You can imagine. She probably just wanted to. Punk, you know, anyone that asks a question, just shut up and have the free stuff, all right, and piss off. It's a bit like that. Yeah, not down for a full-length conversation a about cheese. So I thought, no, I won't chat. I'll just eat the cheese and buy some and get the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. So, no, she wasn't rude in a rude way, just it's rude It's got in a her. really nice creamy, pale rind on it. Mm. It looks like the, the, the one really good camembert that I made this is 21 days, this one. Had a very, very similar rind. Oh, it looks fantastic. Mm. It looks like it's just going to, if you left it on the plate long enough, they just spread out. Oh. <laughs> and then just lick the plate. <laughs> 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 so, food in Japan. Tell me all about oh, it. Oh, Japan was so good. So, Japan was just with a mate. Mm. And um, we got there and... You know, we did go hard at the start. <laughs> hard as in nightclubs and, and bars. And by hard, no, I just mean we got really drunk for the first few nights. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, you walk in a little door. So we were staying in Shibuya, which is the shopping area, and it's really 
you know, there's heaps of bars. and I mean, there's heaps of bars everywhere, but it was a pretty funky little area. And next to where we were staying was this little door down some stairs and I went, oh, God, let's just go in here. Because we walked out the hotel and it was raining, so let's just go down here. And we went in it, you know, it's room for four at the bar and seating for six and there's two dudes in there and we just ordered a couple of beers and started chatting away and, you know, those little places, they have a little burner, you know, they just cook stuff as you want it. Mm. So I started looking over going, what are you cooking? You know, he didn't speak English, I didn't speak Japanese, but... He ended up, he was cooking and then, you know, I told him that I cooked. So we ended up having this hilarious night where he just cooked us so much food. You know, we are doing the whole, you know, I've got this seaweed. Well, this is what I'm thinking he said. I've got this seaweed and then he dumped it in, you know, tempura. Just little snacks kept coming the whole night. So we were getting progressively pister and pister and pister. (laughs) Because then then we hit the sake. We thought, oh, we'll just hit the sake. So that was a good night. That's that's probably like a year's taking. (laughs) You probably drew him out of his... No, well, interestingly enough, as the night wore on, I mean, the place was packed. There was eight of us and it was packed. (laughs) This is what I don't understand. Like, I ran a small place in Mm. Brisbane, which was, I don't know, most nights was 50 people, I guess, Mm. you know, when it was busy. Mm. And, like, you got a really good night when you had a band in, it was like 200. But 200 was packed, you know, 200 was an exceptional night. But the little suburban places that do that sort of stuff like are, are they around and I'm just out of it because I've got three kids or, or I don't know what just not exist in Australia well I don't think it's economically viable in Australia I don't know what their rents are like in Japan but or their um, I mean li- our, licensing laws is the one that kills you in Australia yeah and, and so obviously they can make a buck with I mean that's their culture is to not have these places packed yeah with people so they're obviously making some money because they're everywhere. Yeah. So they must have. Oh, that's interesting, actually. We need to look into that. Oh, I think I'm it would. Sure there was a little thing, and my disdain for Queensland liquor licensing department is well known, but um, there was an attempt, and I think they did bring in a version of Melbourne's small bar laws. Mm. But the problem we had when we ran the alley was we essentially had to pay similar sort of licensing fees to the beat or the the mega clubs in the valley um or the big pubs and so if you're the regatta hotel and you've got nine bars and 62 bar staff and and you have 500 people in there getting absolutely smashed Mm. four or five nights a week then those licensing I think they've changed it. I think they've changed it because they do offer a small um, liquor license now for venues under, I think it's under 60 people or something. And it's only like 900 bucks a year or something. So I think they've kind of addressed that issue. But still, I mean, you still couldn't have a venue with eight people in it. No. Not in Brisbane. I mean, your rent's likely to be, you know. Well, when I quit the bar and went to working... You know, repping, mm. and all of a sudden I had Friday nights. It's like, oh, Friday nights. That's what Friday nights is yeah. about. Mm. I never really understood the going because I was either I was a student where every night's a night you go drinking, yeah, or I was working seven days a week. So mm. this was my sort of first Friday night as a worker experience. Mm. And up the top of the hill at Red so Hill, so where'd you go? TGF or whatever it is. No, that's, no, that's a joke. Um, 
course you have. That guy's Friday. You know, you know the uh, Lebanese place on at Red Hill oh. that was there for years and years and years. No nose or yeah, no nose. Across the road from there was the post office. Yeah. And next to the post office was this room that would have been smaller than this lounge room mm. we were sitting in. I know the room. <clears throat> and he had some friends of mine looked at that bar. Was it a bar? It was a bar. Now it's a childcare centre. Some friends looked at it, wanted to take it over, and I said, "Just give me the eight hundred thousand. Just give it to me, and go and do something else." Oh yeah, I have no idea what the rent was like. But he used to just go to the bottle shop and buy a couple of bottles, a couple of bottles of, of wine and some mm. and some beers, and and so his prices weren't that cheap. But it was this tiny little place, and we were the we were the, I think we were his only regulars. Like mm. there wasn't many other people we saw there every Friday night. I mm. just don't think anyone knew it existed. Yeah, he's only a young guy, and yeah, we used to just sit there on a Friday night because it was like it was like going for beers in someone's lounge room, but then not having to do any of the clean up, clean up, or go and get any of the beers or look after any of the snacks. <laughs> or do you know what I mean? Like it was just. Yeah. All, all the comforts of having a lounge room with none of the hassle. We could just stumble <laughs> home afterwards. So, yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Hey, they've got this new thing now. Have you heard of um, fork, uh, forking about or something? Right. I have to send you the link. It means you can have a – you can throw a dinner party at home and sell tickets. Oh. So you can jump on and find somewhere that you might want to go in your city or your area. And people just throw dinner parties and they might say, you know, I'm going to have eight for dinner. I'm going to cook – you know, Tex-Mex, and you can buy a ticket. So is the idea to make money? No, I think or it's the idea about... to meet new people? Mm, I think it's about this whole um, share-driven economy that we've got going. Okay. About, you know, you want to cook all the time. It's a bit like me, I suppose. I like to cook, but Pat doesn't eat much. Yeah. <laughs> so if you were going to cook some stuff, I suppose you go, I feel like cooking. I might cook my way through this cookbook and... Have a dinner party. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you'll make much money, but... Well, I suppose if you like cooking, it's a good way to fund the ingredients. Yeah. Because then you're mm. not forking out mm. lots of money every yeah. night to cook. Anyway, good concept. I like it. Mm. Yes, yeah, so well, I'm cooking for six now, so six, six. Strength. Every night. No dietary requirements on this flatty? No. No, Ryan, Ryan, whatever. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. The first full night, like the first night he stayed as an official housemate, he's like, you want a beer? Yeah, I like a beer. Then we had a couple of ones. He's like, oh, we better not do this every night. <laughs> <laughs> it could get very messy very quickly. It's just like the back share housing. <laughs> just, just with extra 5.30 wake-up calls, that's all. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Anyway, I just quickly have to tell you about one more story no, in Japan. No, you're telling me lots of stories. What was no. the best food you ate? Uh, oh, well, I went to a place called Tempura Matsu, yeah. which I went to last time, but that was amazing. That was in um, Kyoto. You didn't It'll... get get into Jiro, Jiro Sushi? Or no, whatever. I didn't go there. I think you have to book that in months ahead or something. Oh. Well, now that he's famous. It's amazing because you'll see a queue and you want to go, I wonder what they're queuing for, you know. Walking along, there's this queue of about 100 people and they were waiting for sushi. So, wow. you know, you see queues all the time. People taking its ticket and you think, must be good there. We just join a queue sometimes. <laughs> my friend would go, what are we queuing for? I go, I don't know. She go, what? She's not as into food as much as I am. I'm like, well, it must be good. All these people are not queuing up for nothing. 
<laughs> one time we were queuing up for these hot, they make these kind of cakes in the shape of fish and they fill them with, you know, different beans and stuff. Anyway, we're lining up, lining up to get these. We, I went, oh, they're cakes. And she goes, oh, good, a cake. Not, not, cake, <laughs> not the cake she was thinking of. I've got all their hot, just going, oh, yum, hot cake. Bean curd. <laughs> with mashed up beans. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, that was hilarious. But, um, yeah, so the best food was at Tempura Matsu because that's the amazing place where you, you're sitting there and there's like 20 chefs and they you just kind of pick a menu and they feed you whatever, you know. They have this amazing ice block with soba noodles and, wow. you know, egg yolk in it and beautiful miso and oh, or else they'll bring out the big hunk of tuna and they'll cut it in front of you and then they'll stick it on a couple of twigs and charcoal it for like two seconds on some kind of scented log, you know. I mean, it's bizarre, but it was fantastic. So that was good. But so we went to the fish markets. Yeah, that was the other one I really wanted to ask. So we got up in the morning and we went, right, we'll go to the fish markets. We didn't go and watch the auctions or anything. We just thought we'll go out to fish markets, which is mental, mental. Like there's all these tourists in the middle of a full-on working, busiest fish market in the world. Just what, I mean, why take, do they do that? That's just mental. photos and... Yeah, so we're so in the way. But anyway, uh, off you go. Isn't this the last year they're doing that? Aren't they shutting it down and moving it to somewhere? And yeah, well, then. Completely off the, off yeah, the radar. I kind of think they should, to be quite honest. I mean, it's fascinating and it's great to watch. But really, <laughs> people are stupid because, you know, they're all walking around with their cameras and there's. Like huge fish and people with knives. Yeah, and, you know, the <laughs> pallet. What are those things? The forklifts. Forklifts and stuff everywhere and, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's stupid. And one stage I was looking at something, well, what's that? And I went to just touch it and the guy goes, do not touch. And I thought, oh, you've said that five million times, haven't you? Sorry. <laughs> it, was, it was like poisonous. No, he just didn't want people poking his uh, fish, you know. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I took all these photos of fish, didn't know what half of it was. One of them, and I posted some on Facebook and I was saying, what is it? And. Jane Lawson answered, and she goes, that's like um, one of them. She goes, if the sign's right, it's marlin. It was this tiny little fetus-like marlin. Oh. I mean, yeah, you know, you hate to think. Their, uh, their morals on food are different mm. and sort of, I wouldn't say behind, but just different. They come from yeah. a different place, don't they? Yeah, they do. Anyway, so we go out the back because you go out the back and then you have really good seafood. So yeah, you so go back and there's stalls and stalls and stalls of seafood. Is there a, like a, a food market sort of tacked onto the back where they can yeah. get that fresh seafood and yeah. do stuff with it? So we did that thing where we went in and we kind of sat in this place and then we looked at the menu and I went, oh, look, it's $65 minimum spend per person. And we looked at each other and, you know, we went, Fuck that. Let's get out of here. So we got up and walked off, but it was kind of one of those tourist traps. Uh, I just thought, this is a tourist trap. Get out. Get out. Get out. Get out. (laughs) So off we went, and then we walked up the street and had these beautiful oysters steaming on the barbecue and scallops, and it was just amazing. The tuna, tuna to die for. But the flip side is... We went to an onsen a bit later on and I'm standing on a very crowded train going home Yeah. and I said, I don't feel very well. And my oh. friend went, no, you don't look well. You look 
quite pale and I'd just bought a new scarf because it was kind of cold, so I'm wearing a scarf. <laughs> and then I, my eyes went open and she's looking at me as if to say, don't, not here. And I just pulled the scarf up over my mouth projectile vomited, came out all around the scarf. (laughs) (laughs) The train's packed and Japanese are so polite. Like no one looked, no one said anything. No one's abusing you. I just hung my head in shame. I just looked at the floor and I thought, I I can't make eye contact. Not that anyone would have been looking at me. Food poisoning, you think? Oh, it would have just been gastro. I mean, you know, you can't go to a fish market and start tucking into raw fish all out the back and, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. I have ne- I never get gastro. Yeah. But I was thinking, you know, normally I eat anything and because I suppose before I left I'd been eating so well because I'd been doing the whole saleo thing yeah. <laughs> that I probably didn't have much bacteria in my body. So I was right for because I never get it and I eat off the street and yeah. much worse than that. Yeah, where you think all your trips to Vietnam and Thailand yeah. and, and stuff like that. So that was quite funny. My girlfriend was a nurse and she's looking at me going, first thing she goes, oh, no, I wonder how long it's going to be before <laughs> I vomit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all I can say is welcome to my life because that's how I feel. Like oh. The kids come home and, and they go, oh, they've had a bit of diarrhea today. Oh. Oh. <laughs> okay, well, four days' time, that's probably going to be me. <laughs> Or Vanessa, we went we went away and she like the, the kids got a cold and she got it and I sort of got over it. I still got the tail end of it, but she sort of had a real strong cold for three weeks. Oh god! So and then you know you're dealing with five, not much sleep. Yeah. With that, with that it's just a yeah. Real, you just like just want to go out, just go to sleep for a couple yeah, of days. Yeah, just all piss off for two days and <laughs> leave me with it. Uh, yeah, well, Vanessa's brother, he, he loves his fishing off Tweed mm. and he quite often catches tuna mm-hmm. and that day he's mad for the sashimi. So you'll rock up there and he'll go, oh, I caught this yesterday and you'll just bring a plate of it, cut up mm. thin, thinly with a bit of soy sauce and, mm. and, you know, when it's that fresh, it's just magic. We had... um. So now I'll zig back to Noosa Food and Wine. I know I sound like I live the life of Cody Riley, don't you I? Do, I need do. to start it's working. It's going to be, um, <laughs> uh, be jet-setting Sally tells tales of her daring do while Bizzo talks about having a cold. Ill. Um, but we did this seafood thing and we went to, uh, uh, what's the fishing down there? Is it Malulabar or Maruchidor? Malulabar. Maruchidor. Yeah. Maruchidor. Yeah. So the big fishing port there, which was fantastic. So we met with this dude who's got one of the fishing licenses for tuna. Yeah. Because, you know, we, we it sounds incredible. We have really, really strict laws governing fishing. Mm. And, you know, a few years ago there was lots and lots of licenses. And then they kind of sent everyone broke and then they bought out the license. Yeah, now there's only back. 20. So there's 20 people that are allowed to fish for tuna. Anyway, one of the, we met one of these guys. And... Um, Which is smart, though, because you're better off having 10 businesses that can fish forever than 200 businesses that can fish for 20 years and then it's not really economically viable for anybody. Yeah. 
But the hard thing they have is that people in Australia don't value because they're so price-driven. They don't value what we do as a country protecting our fishing waters and that it's beautiful, clean fish. Everyone else in the world is scrambling to get it. So they export quite a bit and we just keep a little bit here. But amazing, amazing. They were just saying, you know, some of their fish is the best fish in the world, obviously. Japan's big market. Um, we met these guys that had the crab, the spanner crabs. Oh, yeah. That was amazing. And a, a prawn trawler. And, um, yeah, it was just interesting. It was just interesting how they've changed. And there's state and federal laws and they're all a bit conflicting yeah. and very because full on. Di- different political ideologies. Mm. And- but they allow import of cheap shit from yeah. all over the world with no they don't have to follow any law, no. rules or laws which, which then but we ba- have bastardizes the conception of what it's actually worth yes you know it's a little bit like so you can buy cheap prawns grown in sewage yeah from asia yeah so people think oh that's they're cheap See, I'm, I'm not going to pay the extra 10 bucks a kilo for these beautiful pristine prawns that we cultivate yeah. here in australia um I'm a little bit spoiled because I grew up. My, you are. My, my family just had seafood. So, yeah. you know, crabs and, like, mum's just come back from South Australia and I know that I've got a couple of kilos of squid coming because they they chase the squid and the, mm. the King George Whiting and I love squid, really, really like squid. And, you know. What do you do with your squid? Uh, I just do it, just deep fry it, but very, very quickly. And mm. I've been doing it in the um, – marinating it in the uh, kiwi fruit yeah. last couple of times. Mm. And, you know, just do it really hot and really quick. Mm. But I'm sort of open to any – I'm always worried about cooking in another way that I'll fuck it up and then – Oh, quickly fried. Obviously, you toss it in some kind of yeah. seasoned – Something. Yeah, season that like a little bit of corn flour, some seasoning in it, mm. and that's about all I usually do to that's it. All you not, need to not do. much. Yeah. Not much at all. I'm I'm always scared of doing it on the barbecue or slow cooking it that I'll waste it because I only. Well, get, she give you a whole squid. Yeah, yeah, like whole whole pieces, mm. so cleaned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it'll be frozen, but it'll be three weeks old or something. Yeah. I kind of I've never really done one, but. I kind of like to braise some squid. Like you do that with octopus, mm. but I'd like to do it with the squid. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just one of those things where I'm like, uh, I know I can cook this really well this way. Yeah, do it. Don't and, change. And, and same with whiting. Like whiting is my far and away favourite fish. Summer whiting, like Queensland summer yeah. whiting. Um, you know, small, sweet little fillets. And I just, you know... I just do a beer batter and do it in that. And, like, I'm like, oh, you know, should I be steaming it or... No. And it's like, well, it tastes really good this way. Everything tastes good fried, let's face it. As long as... Don't go mucking with that. As long as no one puts tomato sauce on it, <laughs> I'm happy. My, my anti-tomato sauce stance is so... I did some... Um, I did some deep-fried cauliflower fritters the other night. Mm. And I think they actually came out less oily than shallow frying. Like the oil was really, really hot. They always do. And I think because they sealed so quickly, mm. they were actually less oily. I always say that. I reckon you're better off deep frying than shallow frying. frying. Because everything seals. 
And so then it's just cooking from the heat of the oil. Yeah. It's not slowly yeah. sealing and absorbing the oil. The oil. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I took a photo because mm. that was the first night Ryan was there and put it up. And one of my friends said, there's a tomato sauce bottle on that table. What's going on? <laughs> Do you allow people to use tomato sauce now and again? <laughs> Two of my favourite ingredients, tomato sauce. Mm. Oh, Sugar dear. and red food colouring. Sugar and red food colouring. Does amazing things to think. Well, one of our suppliers, evidently, um, is big into... A health food, doing health mm. food range for Coles and Woolies, mm. and they've got a tomato sauce coming out that's ninety eight percent tomatoes. Oh, you know, so basically like a sugo, but yeah. more as a sauce. Yeah, I yeah, guess. yeah. And they tasted it at this demo that they did for us, mm. but it's like six times more expensive than tomato sauce. Yeah, <laughs> or a bottle of sugo. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, how funny. So does, does Noosa tend to have – do they do they just sort of run it and let everybody come or do they have a theme? Do they do they try and push no. anything or – Oh, they, they have all these events, right? So we did a couple – we did three events, which is way more than what I normally like to do, but we did three events. So one was the seafood, which was okay. It was, in, it was an interesting topic to me and the – Seafood was amazing. Like that piece of swordfish that I posted was possibly one of the best pieces of fish I've ever eaten in my life. Like it wasn't dry, it was buttery and flavoursome and amazing. So these events, are they for media, are they for the general public or are they for chefs that are looking to get new ideas and new supplies? Mm, They're not getting any new ideas. That was my whole thing this year. I just kind of thought it's more about, oh, they were branding it this year, you know, schoolies for chefs. And it is bloody schoolies for chefs <laughs> because every chef goes there and they get totally pissed and, you know, and some of the meals are okay, but some of them are pretty freaking average. We went to a clam bake on Saturday night. Now, chefs were Dan Hong, Colin Fasnich, and some guy, Tom, who I should know his name, who's a seafood guy. Well, Dan Hong, I've never seen anything bad written about him anyway. Can I tell you what this this food was revolting? Not only was it bad, it was revolting. Their hors d'oeuvres where they had this, it was obviously terrine, but seriously tasted like spam with pickled onion. <laughs> they had half a dinner roll. Apparently they had spanner crab on it. I didn't see one of those. And then they had figs just wrapped in, you know, hamon. And then we sit down. Oh, no, they say... Oh, dance for a while. Food's going to be a while. So everyone dances for like two hours. And then they bring out some surfboards loaded up with those blue and white checkered tea towels that you get from Spotless. Everyone has. Yeah. Seafood parcels wrapped in these and they bring them out in surfboards. Anyway, seafood was delicious. But this random stuff. So they're sending seafood and then they have all this corn come out with it and bread that they kind of threw on the table. And then that was all fine. And then... The weirdest thing ever, Fascinage was doing main course. So we get served corned beef, hunks of corned beef smothered in parsley sauce, this bowl of what looked like gruel, some bean <laughs> thing. It was so disgusting. Potato salad like you've never tasted, like you'd buy from Coles. Sally, probably was. Sally hadn't prepared you to have gruel for a main course. It was revolting. But wait for it. Dessert was fruit salad 
What? With whipped cream. There was some kind of pandan coconut cake or something under there. But by that stage, I was just so upset that these chefs had just gone to no effort, right? There's, mind you, the tent's full of 250 people that have paid 200 bucks a head. Yeah, I was going to say, how much a head did you pay for this? Oh, you'll have a cocktail on arrival. No cocktail on arrival. There was a few clams, but, oh, man, it was just piss week. Anyway, you know, that's what they get away with. Okay, so that was shit. But the other, on the other extreme, I went to an awesome one in the hinterland, which was on the Walker's farm, and they mm. grow beautiful chickens. And, you know, the family greets us getting off the bus. I and saw heaps a, of photos. Oh, it was such a beautiful day. And that was, um, you know, Marty Boats and Alex Herbert and Cameron Matthews. I mean, beautiful team of cooks. And the food was great and all. It Totally different vibe. It, it is part of the reason because they have three chefs and no, it's not one person's reputation on the line and no one's the boss and no one's sort of running it? Yeah, I think so. I think, I don't know what the behind the scenes situation is, but I mean, that clam bake, there was actually no one there that was in control. Like the band packed up and left an hour and a half before it even finished. Yeah. They just packed up and left. I mean, they would have paid for, you know, an hour and a half and then went home. That's probably what they got paid for. Probably, but why would you say, oh, this will end at 11.30 at night and the band leaves at court to 10 and they start clearing the tables? Yeah. So that kind of stuff leaves a bad taste in your mouth, which is kind of why I don't like really doing the events. I'd rather just go to the days because the days are great and you get awesome sessions and there's really good discussions and great cooking demos and stuff and the food in all the little boozes because all the restaurants and people do little tasting plates, which are really good. But... The events, not a big rap for. Yeah, see, I, I'd just like to go, like, i got this little rig now, which obviously mm. you have to just walk around mm. with. Just mm. go and, but you'd sort of need um, enough cred that you could just. Well, you've got to be someone else. No one will talk to you because there's everyone's trying to drag their attention. Yeah. I mean, look, some of those chefs are very lovely and they're very generous with their time. I mean, so so generous. Is it it just chefs or is it also producers? Also producers, also the media, writers. Yeah. Food critics. It's people behind the scenes in food. Yeah, see, they're probably just as interesting to me as the the chefs. Yeah. uh, one of the podcasts I listen to, which is a pop culture podcast, and he normally does like a like a, a, a group discussion. So they they don't do anything really to they don't do many sort of current things. Mm. They'll do big sci-fi movies, so they'll do the Avengers movies, or whatever. But mm. they tend to do older older movies, comic books, books, stuff yeah. that's been out for a while. So yeah, you can watch the movie and go back and listen to their discussion about it. Yeah. And David Letterman was retiring this week. Yeah. So he did interviews with two TV critics and then two tech writers and a guy he went to college with about – and he had a whole narrative to it. So he, he knew what he wanted to say, so he was asking questions about what he wanted to say, what he was trying to get across. Mm. And then he did these interviews and then he went back and cut it up and it formed a narrative. Mm. Yeah. A little bit like um, – like NPR or yeah. you know, like a one of those right? mm. but it's just really interesting and it was interesting because it wasn't from a sort of media company um, it, it was just sort of him it was professionally done but it was it was obviously his viewpoint 
So yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah, there's some fascinating people that are talked to. Even um, there was a guy there, like there's a barbecue guy from America and he'd been making rubs and mar- he's like on the barbecue circuit in yeah. America and he'd come out and, yeah. you know, just the development of his rubs and the trademarks he has to put. I mean. Well, that's that's the, the massive thing in Brisbane at the moment, isn't mm, it? That American barbecue. Huge. Um, style food. Oh, they do awesome discussions. Like you go and listen to a discussion. Um, so one was, is the customer always right? Right? That was interesting. So they had a marketing person, you know, they had a um, Tony from Tartufo. Um, they didn't have a customer. but <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I, I had a little crack at um, who was it? Was it Rue? It might have been. That they had the discussion about she went to something about honesty in food media or something like that. And I made a joke. I said, oh, are they burning a food blogger at this panel discussion? <laughs> yeah, well, they and nearly And she said, well, lightly charred. And I just thought, well, like, sometimes you just have to face the reality of this. But the discussion has changed, though, over the years because I remember when it first started. So the, that topic was, are uh, food critics still relevant? Right. And um, they had all journos up there, no bloggers. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and, you know, most of them were, and their attitude towards bloggers has softened over the years because it's like the cream's rising to the top, there's good bloggers that people use, and there's shit bloggers that... There, just there, exist. There would, be, there would be food writers out on the take as well. I have, but that's that's the thing that annoys me because they're going, oh yeah, you know, they go and they are being paid, and I think, but you know, we all know that you all take freebies. Yeah, we all know those food guides are a goddamn joke. Like they're going, does anyone buy a food guide? And there was about three hands went up. I was like, no, no one buys a food guide because we know they're rigged towards advertisers and your mates and, you know, it was interesting because John Lethlian was saying, I think um, journalists think that becoming friends with the chef, you know, they become too close, the lines get blurred, they're yeah. not giving. But, you know, that's like journalists, oh, yeah, but here's, here's my – no, they're not your friend. They're just sucking up to you because – you write. You write. Yeah. You're not their friend. Are they inviting you over for their child's baptism? No, they're not. That's why I think it's really interesting for someone like Burmo, who does write for the Good Food Guy. Mm. But he's successful. He's a, a he's a successful newspaper writer. Mm. But he's he writes like he writes books for a living. The only reason he does that food. Um, reviewing gig is because he likes food. Go out for dinner, yeah. It, do you know what I mean? And, yeah. like, I don't think it's all, you know, I, I know that I, I've had messages from him saying, ate some fucking terrible food today. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you know what I mean? But but sometimes some of the fucking terrible food has to go in the book because yes. they're a really good contributor to advertising for that paper. Yeah. So... Yeah, um, go back and find something else good about that place. There is nothing or good. They, or they send someone who's perhaps not as independent. Do you know what I mean? Like there's no... There's always going to be people that are going to toe the line and write what people want. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like there's heaps of bloggers out there. And that's But that's what I like about blogs because they'll tell the truth because they don't care. They're not answering to anyone. No. They don't have someone else paying their... 
thing. It was interesting because John Lethlin was saying, oh, yeah, I cost my employer $40,000 a year in meals, you know. Um, Elizabeth Merriman said, yeah, well, what blogger has $40,000 to spend on meals? Well, they don't. No. They get them for free. And then someone else said, every review is like a thank you letter. And that's a bit true too. But I still but, think those... There would be there would also be really good food bloggers that don't... You can tell the sucks. You know the good ones. Don't spend $40,000, but probably don't eat out three times a week. Mm. Do you know? They might eat out once a fortnight mm. and they might write a really critical, proper review that's not beholden to anyone because they're not paid by, mm. not paid by anyone. They're just interested in the food. And they might not write... This, this is what I like about a lot of tech blogs is the independent tech blogs don't have to follow the rules. No. They, don't, they don't have to they give do... you their honest opinion. Well, and, and tech writing for a very long time was about specs, you know. Mm. It's got this many things of this and it's got it's this fast and this. And then along came a whole group of people who are like, I don't really give a fuck about that stuff. I just want to know how it impacts me in my everyday life, you know. Does it help me, you know, can I sit there and read a comic or play a game while I'm singing mm. in a queue? Yes. Well, that's important to me, so I'm actually going to rate that phone higher than this phone because mm. it's easier to do that stuff. I don't really care whether it's got a this type of screen and that type of screen. And and I just reckon there'd be food bloggers out there that have that sort of attitude. Is like, well, I just like American food, so I'm not going to review every mm. restaurant in Brisbane. I'm only going to review the American barbecue places. What's interesting, though, they all beat themselves up about the grammar of bloggers or they can't even write a sentence. And I was thinking, who gives a shit? Who cares? It's all The whole world's written in texts and abbreviations. Yeah. I don't give a shit if they're not – I'm not a grammar Nazi. I couldn't care less whether no. their sentence was well constructed or not. You get what they're trying to say. And, but they're all like, oh, yes, they can't do a sentence. And, oh, yes, it's so badly constructed. <laughs> they don't even know the difference between there and there. I see. who gives a shit? No one else does. The other 98% of the world that's not a food journalist don't give a toss. Yeah. One of, one of the funniest writers on sport is the, the guy that I do my sports podcast with. And he writes, I don't know, you know, whenever he feels, whenever something takes mm. And he is crude. And he drops a thousand swear words. Oh, fuck, he is funny. Mm. He is funny. And there is literally no one in the Australian media who writes like that. Just, yeah. just absolutely no one. Because they all, they've all come up, they've all gone to a newspaper and learned to write a certain And there's just a homogeneity yeah. of it that's just mind dullingly yeah. boring. Boring. You know, it's ridiculous. Yeah, they're going to make some stupid pun. It's all going to be well constructed. I like the outside the box of the whole thing that's not quite put together in the right yeah. format and it's not quite right. I really enjoy reading that kind of stuff rather than the other. It's all so predictable and then it's like, oh, don't use these words. So, they're so kind of this thing, this blanket thing goes out. Don't use these words now. They're not yeah. kosher. So has Noosa, Noosa Food and Wine, the, the sort of overarching body, not embraced new media particularly? No, they have. Yeah, no, they totally have. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the overarching body of it, of course. I mean, every restaurant has to be on new media and, yeah. you know, that's just a fact of life. The world's changing. Mm. You know, you either move with it or you get, get stuck in a hole. And so, and that seems to be more the point. You know, which I find really interesting because I haven't been to Noosa for about four years and I suppose about four or five years ago was the first blogger 
thing and you know no there's no bloggers don't know what they're talking about they haven't got a clue that was back then yeah you know I'm assuming they have it every year and it changes and now it's like well there are some good ones and you know, some professional journos have become bloggers. Yeah. Let's face it. There's probably more in it for them being a blogger than there is being a journo half the time. Yeah. So it's those that are smart have just worked it. Yeah. Those and that aren't are kind of trying to work out where they still fit and are relevant. And it's funny because they're the ones that sort of, uh, you know, get the following because they're seen as professionals that have gone out on their own. Yeah. But still probably get sneered down on because they don't have that masthead behind them. Yeah. But who um, cares? I think the snobbery of that's disappearing. Well, well, I don't think it ever does. But it's really an interesting, interesting kind of, you know, they don't know what they're looking for. Well, they do. Of course they know what they're looking for. They're looking for a good time when everyone else is and, you know, yeah. the whole. Well, if I went to nursery, I'd be looking to have some fun. Like, yeah. Isn't that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if you've got to do some hard graft, at the end of it, you want to have a bit of fun as well. Mm. You know, it can't all be sort of, well, I'm a professional and I'll, you know, only yeah. s- stick to the thing because otherwise no one would go. No, well, they have a good time. Don't you worry about that. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, no, it's good. It's a really good weekend. It's a great weekend, actually. So I wanted to ask about breakfasts in Japan. Did you, mm-hmm. did you do the full whole Japanese hot breakfast every day? Yes. Out or where you were staying? Both. I love breakfast in Japan. Yeah. It's, it's funny really, though. It really interests me that the breakfast in Japan is probably one of them more mm. than anything, I think. Well, not so much this time, but last time when I went and I was up in the mountains and I was having the full-on traditional breakfast, that yeah. was amazing. So, you know, that would be beautiful, warm tofu and yeah. – you know, they'd fry you an egg. You'd fry an egg in front of you on a little burner, and uh, it was not, all. I'm not sure that beautiful warm and tofu go together, but anyway, their tofu is beautiful. It's not like so you would love it. <laughs> Have you been to Bird's Nest yet and had their tofu? No. Oh, well, you got to go and do that. that. That's that's always been our sort of plan to do the um. When the kids are 20, you should go to Bird's Nest. <laughs> no, no, no. We were, we were going to have dinner there as a, and do, like, do a broadcast, do a, do a podcast first. We should do and that. Then, and then have mm. some food. Yeah. Oh, it's really good. Because I'm super keen to try their, um, their chicken skin. Oh, it's so good. Anyway, back to breakfast. So my friend that I was with was like, oh, I can't do that fucking breakfast thing. I'm not doing that. Because you go in, even because we're staying in this funky little boutique hotel, right? Yeah. So they had a really cool little restaurant and in the morning you could have either uh, Japanese breakfast, American breakfast, Euro- European breakfast. Yeah. I don't know. So one hash- was one was egg and bacon, one was the fish and rice and stuff and the other one was hash browns. <laughs> no, um French toast. Must have been a French breakfast. French toast. They must get lots of French tourists, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> French toast with my syrup. So every morning I would go, I have Japanese. And she looks at me and she goes, I don't understand. Why are you doing that? But I love, I'm more savoury. So I love soup for breakfast. So there was soup, rice, fish, seaweed. I reckon if if someone was cooking me that, I would totally have that for breakfast every day. Why wouldn't you? Um, Not, you know, I love my wheat mix, but... But, you know, some wonton soup for breakfast to go down the road. It's not wonton. It's just miso. Yeah. But, you know, a bit of tofu with seaweed floating in it. They have a bit of rice and you sprinkle a bit of, you know, crushed up fruit khaki on top and <laughs> stuff. So you sprinkle a bit of MSG on top. <laughs> I'm sure that's what it is. 
piece of fish, you know, a bit of green tea. I loved it. But by day four, so our friend Fudd is just going, oh, no, mate, that's just disgusting. How do they eat this shit every day? So all I want is a piece of toast and Vegemite. I'm like, they think the same about you. How do you eat that shit every day? <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, the morning after she'd spent all night on all fours vomiting awesome. following the. <laughs> so she got your butt. She didn't get your butt. I woke up in the middle of the night to hear her just, you know, vomiting and vomiting and vomiting. I went, oh, bad luck. She goes, but. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> So it wasn't just a 24-hour thing? It didn't knock you out? Yeah, no, days. no, no. We kept going. Oh, we kept going. Drinks <laughs> <laughs> Well, we had a mate that lives in Tokyo. So she's a teacher uh, at a international school there. So we had gone out with her a couple of nights. We went to an izakaya, which was – so they've got these fantastic izakayas, okay, so they're pubs. But this particular izakaya had like 20 different little food stalls in this one pub. So you oh, go and you can wow. eat whatever different food, you just jump around from different booths or you settle in one booth and let them feed you. So um, that was really funny. We sat in this booth till like 10 o'clock at night. We, got, we were spastic. <laughs> and then we went, then she goes, oh, listen, do you want to come back to my new house? Because across the road there's this izakaya and I've never been there and I'm too scared because izakaya is a just door so you don't know what's behind there is it could Japanese mafia is it really trendy is it really daggy is it just you don't know but yep. you've got to open the door and go in and find out she goes I've never been across there it's right across the road and I'd really love to go and her <laughs> hubby who we popped into their apartment is sitting there with a VB watching the AFL <laughs> um, <laughs> she goes he's just not really into going out that much he loves sitting at home watching the footy and drinking beer I went Oh, I know about that. And uh, <laughs> so we went across the road into this izakaya and there's like four people sitting at this bar and we've got, we're pretty drunk by this stage. We're like, la, la, la. They sit us at this thing and they pull out this sake and then they just start feeding us, you know, cooking us. We'd already eaten so much food, but they just started bringing out all this food. So we just started eating it, you know, beautiful tuna and salads and just, I mean, it would have been 11 o'clock at night and he's just in the kitchen cooking away. Was it all expensive? Well, this is what I'm about to tell you. <laughs> so I'm just wondering, does your wallet go with eating all this endless food? Yeah, because you don't know. No one tells you what's going on. You just kind of go, oh, this is weird. Well, all right. Barrier, I'll just start that. eating because it's beautiful. I love food. I'm in Japan. <laughs> and I'm pissed. And I'm pissed. So they're just feeding us sake. And then they go, come and have a look upstairs. And we go upstairs and there's a big poker room. They're like, do you want to play poker? And we're like, oh, cool. We should play poker. <laughs> At this point, I'm thinking, no, mate, they are so just going to steal all our money if we play poker. No, we're not playing poker. <laughs> I was in set sport. We're not playing poker back downstairs. And then they started serving us up like steaks and all this stuff. Anyway, <laughs> then it was time to go. And I, you know, flipped over a card. We don't take cards. Oh, how much is it? Oh, that would be 400 bucks. Australian. Yeah, 400 bucks. So there was three of us, so it's 130 bucks each, which is okay because we had an absolute ball and yeah. we ate a lot and we drank a lot. 
so, I say, like I can I don't know quite a few uni nights where we busted through you know 120 bucks in a night. Oh, easy, easy. easy. But this was only like an hour and a half, two hours, no. and you know I really do think they were taking the piss, but yeah. it was fine because you know I expect to be taking the piss when I'm travelling sometimes. <laughs> so it was quite acceptable taking the piss. Plus, he's in there in the middle of the night cooking his yeah. dinner, and well, we many, were really annoying. So I'm like, no, no, kitchen. No. How, many, um, how many pubs in Australia would reopen the kitchen? Who would open the kitchen and cook for you? No one. But no. they love it. And they probably would open the kitchen if they could charge you. Yeah. But imagine Australia if they got that bill in Australia. And fuck, what do you mean? It's 400 bucks. And paying at the end is always dangerous. I remember when um, oh. a mate of mine, he just got his credit card. And he went to Jazz Bar, you know, under the travel lodge. Mm. And the guy brought him out, brought us out around to Coronas, and Moss goes, oh, here, just keep keep the credit card and and I'll get it at the end. Oh, (laughs) gosh. And I think we maxed maxed his credit card out the first week he had it. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, students should not be be allowed to do things like that. That's hilarious. Paying everything out of cash. Well, about the only exciting food thing I like is those dry age bags. Have you seen my photos from that? Yeah, they look good. Mm, that's so really how's that going? Did you find someone I'll, to... I'll, uh, yeah, I talked to the Rue lady. Um, oh, Dale, I'm, whatever her name was. Yeah, mm. I'm going to send her a bag. Oh, good. Um, I'm really interested to see what Rue will be like because the, the couple of bits of beef that we've done have been just grass-fed normal beef, nothing special, mm. and... Yeah, after 30 days. Amazing. Oh, so tender. Like that cheese. Just push your finger through it. Wow. So, and the like the colour difference, you can see that it's mm. it's aged and it's darker and the, the fat sort of stands out a lot more. Flavour's stronger. Wow. So, yeah. I went to this um, butcher in Noosa, Yumundi. Yeah, Yumundi. butcher, and he's moved now to Noosa next to Belmondo's. Oh, okay. But he's still called the Money Butcher, I think. Yeah, right. Beautiful stuff, but he's got his old, he's got his aged beef in the fridge and yeah. his shop's beautiful. We drove through on the way and got a few bits and bobs for the weekend and then I went, let's drive, you know, drive on the way out and grab some stuff. That's where that paddo's from. But um, his meat, man, beautiful. But mm. shit, they don't miss you, do they? No, and that's the thing is that it's been very... Technically, it's been very – you either need to do whole bodies, mm. which is really wasteful because then you have to – yeah, ageing be cheaper cuts, which people won't pay mm. good money for. Mm. Um, and, you know, plus all your trim is aged and mm. probably gets thrown out a bit versus just ageing your premium cuts and then you've got to have a dry ageing room, which is a lot of cost to set up and everything yeah. like that. Whereas this is, um, you know, you just do your whole cuts, put them in these bags, hang them up in your cold room and leave them for 21 or 30 days. So. Yeah, right. So but can you use them home and domestic? I could just hang it in the fridge. You Pop could. it in the fridge or? You've got to, it's got to have airflow all around it. Right. So you'd have to put it on a shelf with nothing around it and probably not too much above and below. We did the first one just in a normal fridge mm-hmm. um, and you have to – like in a cold room, it's got a fan blowing on it, so mm. as the moisture comes out, it sort of dries on the outside mm. of the bag and sort of crusts. Yeah. 
in a normal fridge, because there's not as much airflow, you have to keep wiping the bag as the yeah, moisture yeah, comes yeah. out. But you, you can definitely do it. We did the first one in that, so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But, yeah awesome. I've eaten a lot of good steak the last couple of weeks. Oh, so tough. Yeah. You might have been sick, you've been eating good steak, though. <laughs> I made some more of your, uh, so I've had three friends that have had babies in the last two weeks. I saw you doing that, making some yeah. soup or something. Or making your... Um, <laughs> um, Call quin- that the baby soup. Quinoa yeah. and lamb shank. It's, it's even like, you know, once it's cooked down, it's really more like a stew, isn't it? Yeah, so, it is. Well, it's nourishing and comforting. And yeah. So I'm doing that and then I'll do some bolognese on the weekend and then distribute that out. Yeah, right. I like bolognese as well. Yeah. Now that I know how to make it properly. I had the best meal actually in um, Noosa. We found this one place that had this whole deep fried fish. Oh, yeah. Tamarind tamarind fish. I always wanted to do that. I've seen a few chefs do it on TV. It looks pretty cool. Shit, it was good. I did it for a catering job one night. It was hard work. In a walk? Yeah. Mm. And I had like 60 people, so I had to do like six fishes. But, um... Oh, shit, it was good. We just kept on going back. Oh, fish. Oh, fish. <laughs> and then, and they probably just do it in deep fry, wouldn't they? Yeah, and there were these guys there from Singapore and they're coming back and they're like, oh, we're just trying to find a Vietnamese restaurant. I went, just come in here and have fish. Because they were sick of Western food. You know, yeah. they just wanted something for them that was normal. Yeah. Come in here and get fish. So we got them the fish and the rice and they're like, oh, thank God, normal food. Oh, you're lucky bastard. Is there anything you want to plug, Sam? How's the shop going? Sam lots of stuff. It's going off tap. Good. Yeah, it's gone nuts, actually. Since the um, food festival, people know that it's there? No, I don't know what it is. I think we've just been around for long enough that people now are starting to realise we're there. Mm. And so we've been really, really busy. But if anyone needs any furniture for a cafe or... (laughs) <laughs> wants to order stuff, you've now got $20,000 tax-free yeah. to go and buy something. So come Still on can. in. That's um, about all I've got to plug this way. Yeah, I've got nothing to plug, unless you like sports. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the food basketball crossover is pretty small. So, but You never know. You never know. People love a niche. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I'll see you next week. See you later. I got the yellow. Say it again.